Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel and Steve. It's all happening. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Trying to Be Better with Joel and Steve podcast, Circus Extraordinaire. I'm Joel. I'm Steve. And today's podcast is brought to you by Virgil Zero Sugar Root Beer. Oh, how is that? I love it. I love Zero it. Sugar Root Beer. Yeah, it doesn't sound very fun, but no. if you if you um, <laughs> if you train yourself to take away things that are great like sugar it ends up it ends up tasting okay you know what i mean I, I, yeah i can get behind that but if I'm, all you're drinking is sugar water it tastes like sad it's like a rainy day um <laughs> I, i'm drinking grapefruit grapefruit bubbly right now it's pretty darn good it's refreshing you're a real bubbly you're kind of you're like in that it. it's good you're into that i am um be sure to follow the podcast on instagram at trying to be better podcast please give us a follow if you haven't done already um also send us an email steve take it ttbb podcast at gmail.com have we gotten any emails have you even checked it um we got an email from amazon inviting us to to post <laughs> to, the, post to, to, to mars do we get to go to mars no unfortunately Damn it. i know all right. We're well, a little, thanks, little Amazon. Bit further, a little bit further back in that line, unfortunately. Well, having said that, God. given the opportunity, I'd go in a second. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think getting off this rock is. I don't know. I don't think we're going to save it. I, I don't know that Mars is going to be, you know, a garden of non-earthly delights, but you know, Mars looks like it sucks. It looks yeah. like it's cold, and we got to figure out how to make we water. Gotta to, we got to get to Titan, that moon. That's where yeah. that's, that apparently is where the action's at. So, so right. said well, you know, Vonnegut was onto something. He was. Yep. Sirens of Titan luring us to shipwreck. Um, <laughs> also, uh, <laughs> like, like, and subscribe and rate us on the old Apple Podcast. That helps us. I finally got uh, around to doing that with Mary Stancavage's podcast today. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I good. listen to it all the time. I'm like, God, I need to. We're asking people to do it. I should probably do it for Mary. Yeah, you know. Yeah grace does with her presence and all that so i'm i'm this close to just seeing if she'd be my actual teacher and if i say it here it may actually happen may actually out in the universe okay (gasps) all right um so do we get all the the stuff out of the way yeah i think we're good we're clear i am i am stoked i've been stoked all day because I just asked this man to be on (laughs) yesterday about 24 hours ago and he's a real a champ and um for doing that so last minute he's one of my very favorite people in the whole wide world um i got to know this man while i was in graduate school and uh i always think about our time in grad school as like we were just you know pals the whole time but he reminds me sometimes that like yeah that first year was a little weird uh we didn't really hang out as much as i thought we did maybe but um, I love this man. His name is Armando McLean. Please give a big TTBB welcome to Armando. Armando, welcome, dude. So glad you're here. Hi, hey, Armando. guys. Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> you can't see it, but the confetti cannons are going off. So. Yep. <laughs> this, exactly. <laughs> exactly he pressed the horn. There you go. <laughs> um, 
So, Armando, I don't even know where to start, so I'm just going to yeah. try to start at the beginning, which is, I've been told, a very good place to start. Where are you from? <laughs> where, are you, uh, where is it you say you're from, exactly? Well, I hail from a little place called Oakland, California, in the ah. Bay Area. Yeah, that's where I originally was born and lived for a very long time, um, until I actually went away to CalArts, where I met you. You were there that whole so time. So you're, you're an Oakland native? Yeah. Born my only, this is going to sound just so shitty, but like when I was <laughs> hanging out in Northern California, that you know, the tagline was Oakland, home of the body bag. Mm. <laughs> you know, it I, was I don't know if that's while. accurate or not. The parts of Oakland that I was actually in were actually quite lovely. So, yeah, no, they, there's been a whole re revitalization over the past, like, you know, like 10 years or so and stuff like that. Like downtown Oakland has like a lot more restaurants that are very hip. The thing is, is like a lot of tech companies are buying up all the space in san francisco yes. so everybody is leaving that can't afford it anymore they got priced out you know right gentrification and stuff and so they're going over to oakland the east bay and stuff like that so mm. that's that's where a lot of people are landing and then trying to make it home you know mm. so there's there's levels that's that's sure. a part of that is that well, is that a welcome is that a welcome evolution there? I'm sure it is and it isn't, right? It is and it isn't. Yeah, you know, well, there's is, a lot of the, neighborhoods is, that are. Is the Bay Area's, uh, or I guess specifically San Francisco, the the pricing out? I imagine that just has ripple effects to the whole Bay Area. Oh yeah, it just pushes everybody out away from the water, <laughs> away from <laughs> the water, south sure. and the east and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. So you know, and it does have ripple effects on neighborhoods that are you know predominantly or historically black or latino and stuff like that and mm -hmm. you know a, a smaller gentrification is happening but it's you know we're 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 holding strong as much as we can and stuff like mm -hmm. that sure mm -hmm. how what was it like growing up that's like i mean i've been to well i think the first time i went to san francisco we met you because you were hanging out there it was on our honeymoon hmm. um oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that is i mean it's just a it's just a for, I mean, it's not foreign. It's just a very different part of the world than I yeah. grew up and was born in the Midwest. You know, right. mm -hmm. what was it like growing up in Oakland? Like, what were you? I know that eventually we're going to get to your your career as a performer, as an artist, mm -hmm. and as a teaching artist, and as an yeah. advocate. But like, what shaped you about Oakland? What 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 did you? What were you seeing and doing there that kind of <laughs> led you on this path? Uh, you know, um, a couple things. Uh, <laughs> Well, actually, because I was born in Oakland, but I lived on like the border of Oakland. So there's Oakland and then San Leandro, which is like a suburb, which sure. when I grew up, it was just like, you know, kind of where old people went to die <laughs> because it was mostly like just old people in San Leandro. Yeah. That's obviously changed now because anyway, but but my my family was very, uh, you know, I like to say I'm black and I'm Mexican. So I like to say I'm Blackskin. I'm both at the same time. <laughs> Okay. Um, I'm not half of anything. Mm -hmm. Um, it took me a while to get to that, but we can come to that later. But mm. my mom, you know, my mom and my father got divorced when I was like one years old. So he was, he was around, but he wasn't really there. And, um, he was, he was an African-American man and I didn't really have access to him all the time, but the environment that I was in like Oakland, that's, you know, that's, that's a black city, you know? So I got mm -hmm. a lot of my, um, my heritage and, and viewing stuff like that through the people that were around me, just my environment and stuff mm -hmm. that I wouldn't necessarily get from my dad who was there, but not there, there, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, um, 
you know, my grandparents lived in San Leandro and, uh, and, you know, they first generation, stuff like that. And so I got a lot of my cultural influence from them, but it, it I always felt like an other, I'm just going to dive into that just because mm -hmm. like, you sure. know, whenever I was with my, my mom's family, I was, you know, I was black because I was different. Or whenever I was with my father's family, I was Mexican because I was different. It's like, you look the opposite of what you're next to mm -hmm. being mixed mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so that always made me feel like a, a little out of place, you know, a little like, you know, a bit of an outsider and stuff like that. And so that kind of shaped me in terms of having to be self-reliant in a lot of ways. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, I had friends and everything like that and we hung out and stuff. And, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really, you can't really put a name to it, but it's just that feeling, right? Well that, acquainted um, with that feeling for different reasons, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah right. And so, but being, being there, I think, as opposed to being in many other parts of the United States, uh, it felt, it still felt safe. You know, because at least there was somebody that looked something like me around, <laughs> you know, maybe not exactly sure. like me, but mm -hmm. somebody that looked like me or that some going through something similar. And then mm -hmm. plus, you know, we're so close to, you know, San Francisco and Berkeley. I hung out in Berkeley a lot, mm -hmm. um, you know, for good and bad reasons. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, those are all good reasons. Yeah, they're all good reasons. <laughs> expansive reasons and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Research. <laughs> <laughs> and so. And so I always felt like I had access to culture, you know, not just like in a museum culture, but like a living, breathing culture that yeah. wasn't just like this thing that you read about in the book. It was it was live and in your face and you could interact with it and stuff. Mm. And so that that just made me curious about like all of it, because I was a mixture of two different things. Yeah. I wanted to find out about more, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so being able to like have access to all those different different outlets and, and experiences was, was, uh, was great. And I, it just I, kept, I'm I just really kept that curiosity. I'm, I'm fascinated by that because I, <clears throat> you know, being in the middle of nowhere as mm -hmm. a, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I had to observe the things I was really interested in from television, from magazines, you know, from MTV and from yeah. Rolling Stone, like <laughs> it wasn't in my backyard. And so when I talked to folks like you that, kind of got to experience that firsthand without any filter or BS in between. I'm, I'm kind of blown away. I obviously don't know what it's like to be mixed race, but at the same time, mm -hmm. like to be around, have access to culture. That's, that's a very interesting thing to kind of go down because I feel like in smaller rural America, that is like a, a desert. You, you have, know? you mm -hmm. have Walmart. Yeah, you have <laughs> yeah, you have Walmart and whatever like rock and roll magazine or, or right. hip hop magazine you can get your hands on and whatever they yeah. pump into your house on TV or whatever. So um, yeah, and, and Walmart is a culture in and of itself. So that is real. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, Armando, I'm sitting here thinking on it. I you know I pop off at the beginning of the thing my my recollections of Oakland and it just mm -hmm. dawned on me as I'm sitting here and you're talking like you, I lived in Northern California. California for a couple of years in the early 90s, 92 to 94, yeah. and spent a fair amount of time on University Avenue in Berkeley and mm -hmm. in Oakland um, mm -hmm. in those two years. And I never once would have perceived Oakland as, as, a, as like a predominantly 
black or african-american community which just mm -hmm. goes to show like who i was hanging out with i guess mm -hmm. yeah, yeah that was not ever my perception of it hmm. well i mean like yeah definitely like downtown university avenue in, in berkeley and stuff like that there's that 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 is a specific uh culture in and of itself because it's sure. right by the school and like a lot of like professors and the you know, thing well that blew my mind about berkeley and university avenue was that uh, that was my introduction to income disparity totally mm. that really was my my eyes were open like the 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 chasm of the economic mm. disparity just on that street was incredible mm. And yeah. it really that I had no idea that that even existed until I spent some time in Berkeley, California, because it costs yeah. a fair amount of money to live there unless you're living on the street. Mm, totally. Which some totally. people were doing voluntarily and some people weren't, you know. Right. Exactly. And, and they know that there's a lot of tourism there. There's a lot of tourism on that street specifically sure. because people want to, you know, walk telegraph and all that other kind of stuff. So right. that's where they that's where they set up camp and that's where they, you know have the signs and everything like that. And you're right. Some, some of them are there voluntarily and some of them are there when they have parents that could totally take care of them or for right. what, for whatever reason yeah, they yeah. decide to be on the street yep. and stuff. So it's, it's an interesting thing to navigate, but you can tell like, you know, um, who's really hard off and um, who's really struggling. And there's a lot of, you know, mental illness that's going on yes. too. Mm -hmm. That's just, you know, allowed to roam free, um, mm. which, you know, we need to take care of for a lot mm. of reasons. Not yeah. just not just for our public safety, but for them, you know, who knows where they're going to wander for, off for humanity. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I've ever. And now I'm curious. I don't think I've ever really. I mean, maybe we've talked about this before, Armando. Mm -hmm. But so as you start getting into like junior high and high school, being mm -hmm. in the Bay Area and sort of the whole beautiful circus of that whole the town and the city and everything that's going on there, like. Mm -hmm what were some places that were blowing your minds? Like, what were you, what were you seeing? What were you, were you, were you going to shows? Were you interested in what, what was kind of like, what about that area really sticks with you to this day? You know, it's, it's a lot of the outdoor areas mm. um, just because like, it's such a urban area that I grew up in. So finding those pockets of, um, of nature and stuff, there was mm. uh, there's the Berkeley Rose garden, which I love. Um mm it's it's like tucked away in the hills and everything and you know this whole huge area with just rose bushes everywhere and a brilliant view of san francisco that you could see it at, at uh sunset hmm. um it's it, it's it's up in temescal i think and um and then from there like you know going going to san francisco was was great um you know it's very if you're driving there uh don't really want to drive a stick just because there's so many hills and stuff <laughs> so uh but once you get out of there into like Sausalito and, and the Marin Headlands um yeah you know which is like one of my favorite places in the world because you just feel like you're eons away from everything but the city's right there you know what I, I am mean? so glad you introduced us to that spot Armando I, st I think about that place the Marin Headlands and that the mm -hmm. you know, battery what is it battery Mendel is that what yeah. it's called right there exactly and that yeah. lighthouse mm -hmm. it's like there is some high vibration shit going on there, dude. Like it's so beautiful. It's so amazing. Yeah. A friend of mine in high school actually uh, brought us out there much like I brought you guys out there mm -hmm. and I just fell in love with the place. And it, it became like my fortress of solitude that I would run away to <laughs> whenever I had to make big decisions and stuff like yeah. that, just because yeah. you awesome. can, you can totally tune out everything. And, and while you're hiking up in those Hills, if you do it in the morning, there's all this fog that's going past you. So that you you really feel like you're just 
you know, on your own, but still like held by the environment, which mm-hmm. is just so rare um, that it, it just became that that place for me. And um, and I just wanted to share that with as many people as I can. But but ever since that high school time, when, when we went, I just kept going back. I just kept mm. going back. Cool. So when did when did performing be a thing become a thing for you? Like- uh, it, <laughs> quite by accident, actually. I, I think um, I know this story, which I'm excited to hear again. Yeah, yeah. I So it was, you know, freshman year when you go to high school right before and you're signing up for classes and everything like that. And, you know, you're doing it with all your friends and stuff. And and this and I put down journalism because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, like, you know, write and stuff like that and, you know, be very on my own. Um, and And one of my friends said, hey, you should put theater down as an alternate. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I dare you. So basically <laughs> on that dare, I put, I was like, all right, I'll put it down. And I swear to God, Joel, that year they canceled journalism and I got stuck in theater. Yeah. Stuck in theater. Um, and I tried to transfer out of that class three different times in the first really? few weeks of class. Yeah. Yeah. You wanted, you just, you, so you signed up just purely on a dare. Well, I didn't think it was going to happen. <laughs> Who gets rid of journalism? A joke. <laughs> well, journalism's not really that important anymore. Yeah, right. Well, Who needs it? Well, we're finding that out now. Uh, apparently, <laughs> they knew it back then. <laughs> so why did so you like you're like I want out, and they're like no. Well, because I was that you know going back to the way I was you know feeling like an outsider and being like mm. very like I'm I need to be self contained. I don't need to like share myself with people. You know that yeah. sort of thing. And so I was very shy and awkward. Still kind of am. And. uh and the first pass, I just lost. The second one, I know I put it in my bag. It just disintegrated. And, <laughs> and the third pass, like, you know, the teacher has to sign the pass every single time. Yeah. And so, and he was, let's back up just a second. Like, he was one of those really, like, intense teachers that could just, like, level uh, a teenager's psyche with just a sentence. He was that yeah. smart and that, like, mm-hmm. you know, in tune. Uh, and he turned to me and said, are you sure you want to get out of this class? Because I'm not going to sign another one of these things. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's just not my thing or whatever. But, you know, and by this time we've done like, you know, a couple of days and it's been like icebreakers or whatever and gotten up and done stuff. And he's and he just looks at me and he's just like, well, um, you should come back. You know, you've done some good work and uh, we would love to have you. Mm. I mean, like, what are you like a junior? Because I was really tall mm. uh, and I shook my head and was like, no, he's like sophomore. <laughs> like, no, he's like. And then he laughed at my face, like, don't tell me you're a freshman. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you know, just freshman or whatever. And he's like, well, you should definitely come back. You know, you've done some good work and we would love to have you. So here you go. Those are magic words to a to a freshman. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Because like when you're trying to figure out where to be and who you are, (laughs) to have somebody, especially like this intense, mean teacher, be nice to you, let alone say that to you, (laughs) you know, and so I held the, held the pass in my hand, and then I walked to literally holding it in my hand, walking to the office to turn it in, full intention to turn it in, but just thinking about like what he said and how it just like echoed in my brain, like mm. got louder and louder and louder, and thinking about all the things that we had done. And was just like, well, it's not that bad. You know, I'm still mm. alive. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't kill me. <laughs> he didn't kill me. And so, yeah, I, I got to the office, and I crumpled up the paper, threw it in the trash outside and walked out to school and said, let it ride. We'll see what mm. happens. And I'm still friends with that teacher to this day. So really? Yeah. 
That's so cool. That's so cool because you were like hell bent on getting out of there and it was just a lark. And like, yeah, <laughs> that's like, I'm really glad that you didn't just bail, man, because I don't know that we would have met, you know? Oh, like, definitely not. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so then what, what happens next? Are you just kind of one of the theater kids? Like you kind of felt like the outsider and all of a sudden you're in the theater, the, the, the crazy theater kid troop for the rest of your high school? Well, kind of, <laughs> I mean, like, cause, uh, in that room you got to be whoever you wanted to be, you know, there was no expectation for you to be a certain way, this or certain way that it's like, I wasn't being told that I wasn't black enough. I wasn't being told that I wasn't Mexican enough or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. that, that group was a group of acceptance and, um, yeah. and I treasured that space. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I actually did get to do some writing and I wrote, uh, <laughs> a sketch comedy show, um, <laughs> called Armando's Mundo. Um, <laughs> Please tell me you still have this. There's a tape somewhere. I'm not oh going to find God. it. <laughs> I have to but, see this. But it's it's spurred from um, me being late for an assignment to do an, to do a monologue, um, and I hadn't really prepared anything. And it was like the the class before theater class, and I was just like, "What am I going to do? What am I going to do?" And so <laughs> I, I wrote this monologue in English class when I was supposed to be doing another assignment. Uh, showing my priorities and uh and then i went into the monologue and it was and it was well received that's great and he just kept encouraging me to write and stuff and so that's how we ended up with that show mm. um which yeah we put on like my senior year i think along wow. with the other big show and we were in a a drama portable we weren't in like a theater or anything like that so it was very right. like bare bones and you know we gotta do this all on our own you know sort of thing scrappy yes very scrappy <laughs> That's so, that's so cool. Especially like, I mean, that's, that's, that's the importance right there. The arts in public schools, even yeah. as scrappy and as underfunded as it can be. It's one of those places where a teacher who loves doing it can have mm -hmm. a profound impact on somebody with a sentence or two, you know? Totally. Totally. And, and what was great about being able to write something and being supported in that way is that, you know, at a very young age, I was allowed to have ownership over something. I was allowed yeah. to have ownership over this art that I was now a part of, you know, I wasn't just an actor. I was a writer. Now I was, you know, a semi-director and stuff like that. So mm. to have it at such a young age was, was a gift. Mm. And I knew it was a gift. Um, I was afraid of it. Cause like, you know, my family is just, are, are you going to make money doing that? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's just a phase. He'll get out of it. Like my mom thought it was a phase up until like, I was about to go to CalArts. <laughs> so at that time, Armando, did was that did that become kind of your your focus? Uh, like, did you ever, or was this something you kind of did on the side, or was did you get immersed in in that world um, as a freshman, and that just kind of became it? It for the most part, yeah. For the mm -hmm. most part, that was like it just felt right in that room for all the reasons it felt like this is where I needed to be, you know, and uh, we romanticize our, you know, our, you know, I did theater once, you know, we romanticize that time. And, you know, I wasn't sure if it was that or something else, but like, I knew that right now in that moment, like that, this is the room that I need to be in. This is the room that I need to make sure that I go to school for so I can end up in this room at the end of the day. Mm. Sure. So, so yeah. Mm. And so like, was, so I know that you mentioned your parents were kind of skeptical. Were they, were they eventually supportive or were they still kind of like, 
we don't really know what Armando does, but he likes doing it. Or were they, were they, <laughs> did they, did they actually discourage you from that? There was, there was a discouragement for sure. Mm. Um, just because, and you know, looking back on it, you realize that it's just your, your parents trying to make sure that you're taken care of and they yeah. don't want you to have a hard time and stuff. But at the, but when that's your world and they're telling you that you can't live in that world, that world's not going to provide for you. Mm. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of devastating, but, but even then, like I knew because, you know, my mom was raising me mostly on her own and stuff. And I think it was, came down to like when they had to co-sign for student loans, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and she, because they weren't living in the same house, only one parent could um, co-sign. Mm -hmm. So she was going to take the first year, but she was upset because my dad wasn't. And so it became a whole thing of just like, well, she was upset about that. And then she kind of blew up at me and just like, well, you've never finished anything in your life and blah, blah, blah. It's like, how are we going to put all this money down and all this stuff? Mm -hmm. And like, mind you, like that was the same night as my going away party. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all happening before it, before anybody was there or anything like that. But like, <laughs> um, but so I just took it in stride and just like, I, I know you're upset. <laughs> But this is something I will finish. This mm. is something that I will finish. And it wasn't, you know, I went to, I went to junior college after high school. And, you know, I was just, I was just still like in the motions of just, hey, just doing shows and just performing or whatever. But after that, like I started. What was that? That was called Jabot. Is that right? Jabot. Yeah. Jabot. Jabot Junior College in Hayward. And they had some great teachers there and teachers that, and they had a class where basically the students could write direct um act do all the lighting all the props like basically it, it was free range for us to do whatever we wanted um and that's where we you know i took the skills that i learned in high school into that class and we really learned what it what it takes to build a play from the ground up mm. you know and um and and we did that for i took that class almost every semester just because it was a playground, you know, yeah. and again, the ownership factor of, of what you're building. Um, and then somebody suggested, you know, that I should audition for grad school. I auditioned for Juilliard and I auditioned for CalArts and that was it just because those are the only places that I really knew. So did you it, go, <clears throat> did you go to the um, Erda's or did you, when they were in town, you just auditioned for Juilliard and CalArts? Uh, when they were in town. Yeah. Wow. Because, because at Erda's you have to like, have a degree i don't I, I had see i had no idea i had no idea about any of this stuff oh I had to yeah just go I online forgot. and erda's oh. is erda erda steve i know he's gonna ask what erda is thank yeah, you <laughs> erda is the university and re, uh, regional theater association i think i'm getting that right and it's a yeah. it's a it's just an association of schools um and regional theaters that do these mass auditions in you know on the West Coast, in Chicago, and in New York. I don't yeah. know if there's, any, and they basically you you know there's other grad schools there, or there's regional theaters that might hire you there, and then some other bigger schools don't actually do Erdas, but they're kind of there to glom on to the auditions. And I think, I think college is an Erda school, but like some other of those big, I don't know that Juilliard is, but they go to those to kind of skim for talent. Kind yeah, of. yeah, yeah. But okay. that's right. You didn't have your four-year degree, so it wasn't no. technically Erda's for you. Sorry. Yeah, I I just had like a bunch of, um, 
community college years, you right. know, that were mostly just theater classes. They weren't like the other classes. Um, and, and so I auditioned for both, got called back for both. And, um, but the audition for CalArts was different just because <laughs> they came in with a lot of sass. They were like, we're not like some of these other kind of schools where as soon as you graduate, you open your mouth, everybody knows what school you came from, you know, making gigs <laughs> yeah. at Juilliard and stuff. Uh, but what what stuck to me is like, like going back to what Steve is, that one sentence that like sort of like reverberates in your mind. It's like, we're interested in what you have to say as an artist. Same. Yeah. And I was never, you know, I've, I considered myself an actor and stuff like that, but I never considered myself an artist. That's what I tell my students all the time yeah. about <clears throat> my interview with Cal Arts was, I mean, my audition was great. I did, I had a great audition and I had, I had, you know, good things to say about my performing, but I can remember Nataki Garrett and Marissa Chibas mm -hmm. looking directly at the fact that I had directed and wrote my own work in, in undergrad. That was yeah. the thing that they were most interested in. And I was like, they like me, you know, like they considered me an artist. <laughs> like that's, that's they're like, you'll fit in at Cal arts because not just because you're an actor, but because you think of yourself as a more than that. You know, and that's what I tell students, like, do more than just one thing because it will mean more later, you know? Yeah. The, the generate generating art is is something that's vital. And yeah, that's such an interesting distinction for me. I had never really thought about it on that level until <laughs> right now. The difference mm -hmm. between being an actor and being an artist. Yeah. And I had an actor either. is an artist. Yeah. 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 But that but is the distinction that an actor is somebody that's taking some like a playing in a cover band for example <laughs> which, yeah whereas I mean, the artist is, is like creating the new work as opposed to remanufacturing an existing work yeah i would say i would say that uh, oftentimes yeah. actors can be considered just sort of plug and play automatons <laughs> or there are actors that are given the opportunity to think of themselves as citizen artists and that's what I, that's the, 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 that's why Cal Arts becomes this place in my mind that was so magical and mind blowing. We got really rigorous training, but we also, you know, like I mentioned, I mentioned in a text thread earlier today, actually, I think Armando about like, well, the clothing optional pool of Cal Arts, but also our, our performance art class where my, my piece was, uh, I walked the entire class to the five freeway and climbed the chain link fence over go that went over the freeway and just screamed at traffic for 10 minutes. You know, like we got to do that stuff too, you know? It was all there. It was all there. <laughs> I feel like the screaming at the traffic, I feel like that's something you could charge $100 an hour for now. I know, right? People would sign up for that. You mean I can get on a chain link fence and just scream into the abyss? Where do <laughs> I sign? Great. As long as you have a great artistic, uh, artistic statement, then yeah, sure. just yeah. sign me yeah. up. Or there's, check, either or. There's, <laughs> the, the, the amazing thing is there, there's grants for all of that shit. Right. <laughs> right. So like, so Juilliard, CalArts, CalArts wooed you with their, you know, their, their, their investment in you as an artist. And yeah. so, but you, you had some college credit. So you started, this is where I want to get you totally triggered from oh, the, what's the status of my status because oh, you were man. like a, you were a, a bfa student and an mfa student kind of at the, at same, the same time time yeah woof yeah i uh so in my interview uh, uh marissa 
Chivas just basically, you know, she asked me the question, so would you be entering as an MFA or a BFA? It was just like, well, I don't have the credits, so I would be a BFA. She's like, okay, well, here's my card. If you have any questions, let me know and stuff. And, uh, you know, the, that led me to getting in. And, um, and but at my time at uh, Chabot, I, you know, I, as I said, I was doing a lot of theater classes, not other classes, but I was also aging. So <laughs> I was coming in, you know, BFA, a little bit older than the rest. Yeah. Um, and but then after my first year, uh, Marissa pulled me into her office and said, um, would you be interested in joining the MFA program mm. after my first year as a BFA? And I'm mm -hmm. just like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah. what, do I, what do i got to do uh so basically it's just like there's stuff you have to do you have to do like you know your undergrad stuff at the same time it's like well i can do that during the summer at my old college chabot college mm -hmm. and get the general ed stuff out of the way and take you know some other classes that i need to take while we were doing the mfa during the regular school year and so and so <laughs> mm. that's what i ended up doing and it became you know when you're at an arts an art institution, the administration part of the arts institution <laughs> can be a little wonky. Oh, you that was so <laughs> nice, man. That was it, you. I was hoping you'd say it can be a real shit, shit show. show. Yes, it, it was. It was a we, shit show. It was 2006 and we were still like walking around with actual pieces of paper and going up to people with Apple IIe computers and they were like, <laughs> Lord, beep, bop, yes. boop, bop, putting, and this is 2006. Yeah. Those green yeah. screens. Oh gosh. And then, and I would have to literally like take paperwork from one office next door to the other office because they couldn't figure out the email or whatever situation. Yeah, it was bad. And this and is, I, this is like a, the equivalent of like an Ivy league high in California, it's it's this, founded by Walt Disney, right? Yeah, yeah. Walt Disney so and Roy Disney. So it kind of seems like they'd be on the cutting edge of all that. They were not. No. Okay. No, they they're were not. Focused, they're focused on the art, man. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I, I, that that tracks. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they would do weird stuff, but at the yeah, they couldn't. I mean, the practical stuff was not really there. You know, like yes. So and I think my, that was what. Well, that go figure <laughs> right. okay so in my bag i had to constantly have all my paperwork to validate the status of my status and i would have to like go in like every every once in a while just to make sure that things were on track because yeah. if i'm if i failed any class at <clears throat> out of the packed schedule that i had to do to do both things at the same time then things would fall apart so so I had to make sure that like my Chabot transcripts were on me. I did, couldn't I couldn't wait for them to be sent <laughs> after and at the end of each semester. I had to have them on me. But it was, you know, to have an um, to get both degrees at the same time for the same price, which I'm still paying. You know, I can't really you can't really say no to that. So yeah. you got to step up to the plate. Right. And if they believe in you enough, then you have to like, you know. You should believe in yourself as well to do it. Yeah. I just, I just remember every other week you walking up to Anne and I and other people and just being like, I had to fucking do it again. I had to tell these people <laughs> that I'm a BFA and an MFA at the same time. It's like every other week you had to like justify yeah. your existence. And it's so interesting thinking about the thread that you talked about from the beginning of like feeling like an outsider. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, Still. there's a, there's a lot of that, you know? Oh yeah. And, and, you know, some of the, 
some of the people that were in my, you know, BFA, original BFA class were a little, you know, they were a little perturbed that I got this opportunity and they didn't. Oh, wow. So there was that as well. And then, you know, being I like, never thought about that. I just, you were just kind of a part of our cohort. I never thought about like, there might've been some resentment there. I mean, you know, I didn't have to see him every day. I saw you guys every day instead. That's so right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also being like, you know, with you, with you all and being, well, I've been here for a year, so I know some things I can help you out. That was helpful. Not, but not wanting to be like, too like, Hey guys, let me tell you where to take a shit on, on level two. That's <laughs> level two, best, baby. That's the best toilet to go to, man. It I know is. this. I got this place on lock, son. Just let me know. I'll tell you all there is. I'm so glad you told me about that. And we would text each other like we're taking it to the second level when we went there because it was the bathroom right next to all the puppet, uh, all the puppetry student studios and the film cage. Yeah. And the film cage. Yep. Best bathroom. Very not a lot of not a lot of stalls next to stalls. Not a lot very, of traffic. Way out of the way. Mm -hmm. It's nice to know that some things are universal. Yeah. <laughs> right did you have that spot too well i've 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 had jobs and workplaces where the bathroom situation was less than ideal right and now i work at a place where each like if i want there are multiple places in the building where i get like it's like a hyatt regency hotel room bathroom all to myself that's amazing beautiful. it's amazing that's it's amazing. the little things yeah that's a perk that that's what makes i'm saying all the difference though yeah because i gotta real. do i gotta do my business and there could be like, I could have been just like blowing my students' minds about script analysis concepts. And then all of a sudden they, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, but all of a sudden I, you become real human real fast. <laughs> I want, I want that second level back, man. <laughs> oh, well, we just saw the second levels out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what? Find, Here's find, I mean, all we really need is just, you know, food in the cupboard and house over a roof over my head and just a just a nice place to shit at my job. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yep. You know? It's not too much to ask. It's quality of life. Right. <laughs> it's real. Uh we yeah. could go what on. What are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know, but I just got I just got like I just got like real sentimental and wistful about the second level bathroom at Cal Arts. Well, it was a sanctuary in the midst of a crazy, crazy building. You yeah. know, the, the it sounds level like was just... from what Joel said, it sounds like just a wonderful, wonderful level brand of insanity and just creativity and just whatever you you just go. Yep, it totally was. And I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Like, honestly, like, you yep. know, saddled with student debt or whatever. I still wouldn't trade it for anything because I got to meet amazing people. I got to wake up every day and call myself an artist mm -hmm. and put that into practice from like eight in the morning to 11, sometimes to 2 AM, <laughs> yeah. you know, just because we, we were given permission. That was yeah. one of the first things that um, uh, our Dean Eric N said, you know, make art, make it in this, make it in this hallways, make it on the stairs, make mm -hmm. art. I'm, I'm giving you permission right now to do it. Yeah, because that's what you're here to do. And yeah, that's amazing. what we want to cultivate. Yeah, it really was like I was just thinking and this is not something I've thought about, but like best graffiti on the walls of bathrooms and hallways ever. You know, <laughs> yeah, because it's done by artists. Like <laughs> yeah, real artists. it was the best. <laughs> and like it really was a wild place. Like, and you know, because it's in it's in this suburban town, like, you know, Santa Clarita is this very, you know, white bread very suburban yes. place 
but it you know you cross once you cross those gates into yeah. the it anything i remember like the first week before i got there like a few days before class started mm-hmm. and it was just like people smoking joints on the lawn and you know parties all of a sudden busting out of nowhere and like mm-hmm. there was art openings every thursday where i remember one time i was at an art opening and somebody was like hey can i see your id like do you have like your id card or something and i'm like sure because he he knew that to get into the building you had to have your id card so i was like yeah and he pulls out some cocaine and does a rail of coke off my of my ID. And I'm like, I am not at the university of Nebraska anymore. You know, it's just like yeah. the naked band that played all the time. Do you remember oh, them? Yeah. The they, naked they band. played a graduation. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great place. Naked, naked Gamelon. They, <laughs> the Gamelon bells ringing all the time. Mm-hmm. Cause just, they would practice right outside our, our, our acting studio. Yep. Or many of our classes. And we, and we could just hear it verberate and stuff like that. One of so. the first classes we took in our acting curriculum was a- uh, African dance, you know, like that was, it was just like, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful place. Um, so I guess to tie that up, Armand, <laughs> we could get really wistful and I yeah. don't want that to happen. Uh, you mentioned something and I, and I, I'm going to get real for a second after yeah. I graduated. Um, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, and I'll just mm-hmm. say this on the pod. I, I know Steve's probably heard this, but mm-hmm. there was a dark period when I was looking at all the debt that I had. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, I remember literally Googling whether or not a spouse would take on student debt if, uh, one, if one of the partners committed suicide. Not that I had a plan to do it, mm-hmm. but I, it, was, it, was, it, was, I, it was astronomically bad. And, and it was like I wasn't dealing with it. I was just like ignoring it, which made it worse. Yeah. Yeah, I had um, a front row seat for that, Armando. Yeah, yeah, Steve, Steve, Steve kept me pulled together for that. Right. Well, thank well, you, you, thank you, you Steve, for doing that. Admirable job. You, I think you're being a little hard on yourself because while that was real, and I know it was real, yeah, and I know that you, you know, there was a fair amount of denial there for a little while, but once you, um, accepted the situation, yeah, and kind of got you. I mean, you got the offer to work at Saint uh, Paul. Saint Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then like once that once you accepted that and accepted that that was what the off- universe was handing you. Yep. At, the, at that time, like you yep. have this problem. Here's a solution. Yep. And you said. Yeah, OK. Yeah, it's not exactly what I was planning on, but sure. And yeah. like since then, like you like that crushing. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Like, I'm sure you've had some dark nights of the soul, but it has you haven't like that. It's been diminished by like 90 percent which is kind of amazing and i was texting with armando about this too we were were gonna we were gonna talk about other things but um well maybe we'll get to it because you started teaching recently but Mm -hmm. like the the sort of wild freedom agency to call myself an artist and what i immersed my what we immersed ourselves in in that training Mm -hmm. prepared me for following my instincts as an instructor more mm-hmm. so than I think a lot of programs offer their students, especially yeah. their MFA students. I, I, you, whether you realize it now, and I know you started teaching, maybe we can talk about that, but like it has given me more confidence. Mm-hmm. The wildness that we experienced for three years, you four oh, yeah. years, like, yeah, I, I was like, oh, I'll take on anything. I'll do anything. I can do anything. You know, like, I didn't believe it at the time, but I do now. Yeah, because we always find a way to pull it together because it, yeah. it has to, you know, it yeah. has to. Hmm. Uh, not like the show must go on mentality, but like necessarily. Uh, but it's just you will find a way. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to trust the instincts within yourself as an artist, not just, I'm an actor. I don't know. You tell me what to do. It's like, no, like you're an artist. You have instincts. You, you need to listen to those and you need to trust those, which is like, well, it goes back to what Travis and Marissa would say all the time. It's just like, you are enough. Yeah. You know, that's, there's a lot of catchphrases and stuff, but that's one that's, you can hear it at the beginning of CalArts, you know, like what you're saying when Mm -hmm. you first get there. But then when you actually like let it sink in towards, towards the middle or the end of your time there and having gone through everything that you've described and plus some other things that weren't (laughs) unexpected that we had to go through uh, and realizing that, no, we are enough. Mm. And, Mm. and that being, really understanding what that means yeah you know like Hmm. really being like when we say in acting class like be in the moment it's like okay i'm uh, yeah i'm in the moment it's like "Mm, are you though are you i don't think you are (laughs) do you where did the moment go how do you get there (laughs) like you're thinking about it too much yeah but but realizing that you are enough that you have the tools like i had that one time i tell you um we were doing a show in in cuba (laughs) of all places right yeah yeah and this and this was a script that was being written like as as we are about to perform this international play <laughs> that is a hybrid of video and live theater and and um it's it's it was called the closest farthest away and i was myself i was the lead and so i had you know most of the lines and it was also oh it was also in spanish and in english oh yeah that's right so all so they filmed all the cuban characters and they were being projected on the screen that i would interact with but i that they would say their lines in Spanish and I would say my lines in English. And then it would be super titles above like the transverse translation and stuff. Hmm. And, but the script was, wasn't finished. It wasn't finished (laughs) up until like the day of, and, and I, and everybody had put so much work into it and everybody was so stressed out and stuff. And, you know, you, you get to the theater and they don't have the tools obviously because, you know, the, for them, it costs like, three hundred dollars well for us it would cost just three right. you know uh so there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges and you know I, jane pickett was there and she was helping me go over lines and stuff and i and i had them just put the lines up on a projector on the side so even if i forgot i could i could have something so there there was like a safety net there just in case mm-hmm. but as i was going over over it with her and and she's like you have it you have it you have it it's just you just got to know that you just got to know that you have it. And, mm. and truth be told, like I did only use the, um, the, the prompter like once or twice throughout the mm. whole show. Mm. But I remember like having a small moment of time just by myself and being on in the wings, just off to the side and, and just thinking, you know, just praying. <laughs> I was actually praying <laughs> and I was like, please, please God, I'm not asking for much. Just let me get through this. Just please <laughs> lend me your strength or whatever. And I actually heard, I actually heard no. That's what I heard. And I heard no. And I, it, it, like for me, whether this happened or not, maybe it's just in a heightened state or whatever. But I heard no. And I was just like, well, why? And then it came back to that phrase of just like, you are enough. You already have it. I don't need to help you because it's inside of you already. And then, you know, we did three performances or so and, and stuff. And it was and it was great. It went off yeah. very well. But, but it was like, it goes back to what Marissa and Travis told us that you are yeah. enough. Yeah. What an incredible, what an incredible message to hear in a, in what is seemingly a 
pool of chaos. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's that's strategic. Wow. So I, oh. what? <laughs> that was beautiful, man. Like what? Yeah. What happened? Go ahead, Steve. I'm gonna be processing that one. <laughs> that I love that. No. 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 Yeah. And, no. and I. I still don't know if I heard it or not, but I just I remember being shook. I just you remember being it. shook. No, I, yeah, I think I did, but yeah, I just yeah. remember being shook to the core of just like, what? Yeah. I, like I haven't really, this is what I hear. <laughs> it wasn't like, I'm going to let you fail. Yeah. It was, you got this. Exactly. Just go. It was, it was the holy no. Yeah. The holy no. The holy no. <laughs> the holy no. Yeah. Exactly. What? Well, okay. Okay. But, I mean, but, <laughs> and that and to go back to like what we said before it, it, like was there ever anything else for me was there ever anything else that i should be doing like stuff like that has been like every once in a while i'll get a sign like that that reinforces the fact that this is what i should be doing mm. right that this this is the reason why i'm in the room this is the reason the getting a bfa and mfa at the same time validates that the, i'm in the right field right yeah uh, being able to spend five years at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival validates that I'm in the right field, you know, mm. um, and and being able to, you know, start teaching and stuff mm. validates that, like, this is the field that I I want to be in. Mm. Where are you teaching? I'm teaching at Cal State University, San Marcos. Where's oh, San wow. Marcos? It's a it's about 45 minutes north of San Diego, two oh. hours south of me. <laughs> OK. Oh, OK. So you're commuting. And that's yeah. a. That's a no. Is that like a no traffic two hours, or is that a, including traffic two hours? That's a no traffic two hours. Holy shit! <laughs> wow. But my class doesn't start till one, and then it's okay. about the choice was either do a three-hour Shakespeare class for the kids, or <laughs> split it up <laughs> into two days, mm -hmm. and then do a hybrid class where I only have to commute one day a week, and then the other day a week I could do it online. So yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to burden the kids with I, I want them to like Shakespeare yeah <laughs> so yeah so I don't want to give them a three-hour class where it's easy to just get tired and tune out and, and or, or like me in our Shakespeare class second year I just doodled the whole time while you guys were acting I was paying attention <laughs> but then I also was doodling because those oh, studios oh you mean you mean at CalArts okay yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. okay so here's here's a question what's the entry point for a layperson to Shakespeare Hmm. I mean, knowing that a lot of it is part of our vernacular already hmm. um, and the fact that like he created a lot of words that you know, Shakespeare uses weird, strange words. Yes, he invented a lot of words, but, you know, we wouldn't have assassination if it wasn't for him. We wouldn't have hmm. the word critic if it wasn't for him. Um, heart of gold, uh, those sort of phrases and stuff that comes from Shakespeare's text. That's I had no where idea. The yeah, a lot of those things and and stories like. You know, a young man has his father killed by his uncle and then has to go on a journey to find a way to, you know, get revenge for that or whatever or or come up and sort of avenge his father. That's the Lion King, but it's also Hamlet, mm. you know, wow. the TV show Empire uh, that was on Fox for a while. That's mm -hmm. basically, you know, this man who's in charge of this whole this whole kingdom, this empire, mm -hmm. you know, splits it up between his children. That's basically King Lear, you know, they're. There are all these things that um, reverberate. But what's more important is that the characters are human beings. You know, he is he's such a way with language that he's able to express things um, that 
tickle the mind and the emotions at the same time. And, and that if you think of them as just real flesh and blood human beings and that they're not that different from you and the fact that like everybody within their lineage, within their history, within their ancestry has kings, queens, they all have, they all have access to all that stuff without their history, mm. um, that it's for you as well, you know? Mm. And, and what's exciting about, you know, teaching at San Marcos is just like, I have such a diverse group of students, um, who, you know, on the first day, I, I asked, like, you know, what, what do you all think of Shakespeare? And, and one young man said, you know, I, I don't know, it's, it's scary to me because it's like the pinnacle of acting and, you know, and, and all this other kind of stuff. And, you know, it just kind of I'm afraid of it or in the word. And That's language. actually really legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm so glad that he said that because yeah, yeah. it's like, OK, I know that. And, and, you know, I was there, too, because, you know, me, I have. Um, I have a learning difference. It's, you know, I have dyslexia. So oh. anything with language, it takes me a minute to get through it. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, it kind of helps with Shakespeare just because you have to do close reading with all the text anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to really slow down and really take in what you're saying and, and, and what these words mean. And they could mean, you know, different things in different plays. There's a, there's a lexicon that actually like lets you know, like, uh, this word means this in this play, but it also means this in this play mm-hmm. in the way that he's using it. But these mm-hmm. are tools, these are tools that we have and tools that I'm going to share with the kids and show them um, in terms of like how we're going to decode all this stuff. Mm. So I got, so I got to ask this because I'm talking to a guy that knows a lot about Shakespeare. I know enough. <laughs> well, you'd be the expert in the room. Um, it's obvious just from a little bit that I know when hanging out with Joel and the little bit I know about theater and the little bit that I know about Shakespeare is that he's one of the uh, flashpoints, focal points of theater arts, I guess, and storytelling mm-hmm. and writing. Mm-hmm. And, and his, and th- I'm going to make a statement that's kind of a question. Sure. Um, uh, there, to be, to still be taught actively and to still have his works performed and studied mm-hmm what the hell like what is it <laughs> yeah. about that there's the question like yeah. what yeah, is that's... it about william shakespeare and his works what's the deal with it's william that? shakespeare <laughs> what's the de- exactly well, thank you or just why shakespeare just yeah. why shakespeare. why yeah. like why? i mean there's a why there's now? a bunch of other like you know uh artists uh you know throughout time that have done beautiful work as well but sure i i think what's special about him is that um the literature like like i said it speaks to the heart and the mind i won't argue with that Mm -hmm. yeah totally and there's definitely a a style and and i just think the human the humanity of these characters and because he was also a practicing actor you know um that that they check off a lot of boxes in terms of like feeding that artistic need not just like not just on the page, but like in the air, in your mm-hmm. ear, mm-hmm. Um, it, it tickles a lot of senses. Sure. And, um, hmm. and it's depending on who, you, on who you ask, I, I think it was, I think it was just him the whole time there. I know there's a lot of other theories, but. Oh, did, did I just freeze? We're just getting to the answer, and I think and I, I think froze. The, there we go. Oh, and I think uh, 
his stories just are some of them are timeless you know yeah. the the themes of them yep. yes they're, yes they're about like you know monarchies and betrayal and stuff like that but like who hasn't had like you know who hasn't been told by their parents you can't marry that boy <laughs> or whatever <laughs> right. you... or, or had marital like you know upheaval like that was spurred on by somebody that shouldn't be talking or that's gossiping too much or whatever yeah uh, or or you have to take over your family's business which in that case you know happens to be you know running a kingdom but still the responsibility <laughs> of that and you having to put down put put away your friends your party friends and pick up your, you know, your, your delegates, mm. your, the people that you're going to actually work with and succeed. I think those themes are, are kind of timeless and they speak to a lot of different situations that we constantly are cycling through, whether yeah. we want to or not. It, and you, they don't always a- offer answers, but they offer versions. You're, you <laughs> yeah. said kind of what I was hoping you would say, because that's been my experience with Shakespeare. Again, limited though it is, is that beneath the language is that the stories are universal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, ty- they're just themes that go, they just repeat over and over and over and over again. And you think maybe one day we'll learn, but that, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, I can absolutely relate to that. Yeah. And I think maybe it's helped that some of them have been interpreted in modern ways and in different settings. Totally. Um, like, for example, my friend Jeremy Everly, who's been on the show, he, he, he thinks that the, he, and he, you may or may not agree with this, but that season three and four of The Wire are the mm-hmm. best Shakespeare ever written. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Okay. There you go. <laughs> so there you go. So anyway, thank you for uh, indulging me there. That really. I think. I think. It, I mean, my two cents on that is I always tell actors it is the meatiest text you'll ever sink your teeth into, and yeah. it if you can get through, and, I, and you know, I feel for folks, actors like you, Armando, artists like you that have another layer to, to, to pile on the sandwich to get in that text in your heart and in your brain. Mm-hmm. But once you get through the definitions, the scansion, the memorization, the poetics, the, the meanings of stuff, all of that, and it really, then when I see young actors, uh, minds get blown by the energy that's coming out from them because yeah. of this text. It, it, there's nothing else. I mean, I you can't put check check off in somebody's mind and get there. You can't put Ibsen in yeah. somebody's mind and get there. It, not even. I mean, yeah, it's Shakespeare that that really unleashes that. So yeah, but they have to embody it. You know, they have to walk yeah. walk around with it. They have to chew the language. Like the first day, I had them walking around just saying some lines of text, and <laughs> this one reaction was great. Uh, I had them walking around saying. My mistress with a monster is in love. You know, mm. that's from Midsummer, um, talking about um, Titania being in love with uh, Bottom, who's turned into a donkey. But they didn't know the context of it. They just heard my mistress with a monster is in love. And then I asked them, like, what does that mean to you? And then mm. one of the, the guy who said he was scared, ah. said, he said, um, uh, my side piece is in love with somebody who looks busted. <laughs> 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 and I'm like... Yes. 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 You are yes. teaching. You are teaching, Armando. Yes. Oh. My side piece is in love with somebody who looks busted. I mean, like, <laughs> you can't make that up. That is <laughs> you, so apparently perfect. he did, but but here he, he here's the word mistress, thinks side piece, mm-hmm. uh, with a monster is in love, looks busted. I mean, busted. that's how you just unlocked it, son. And it's because you were walking around and ruminating yeah. with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so stuff like that is, is exciting, you know, when we yeah. get to like have those opportunities. 
we didn't even get into dude that's so cool i you are yeah yeah i'm i'm really excited to hear more about you and your for, foraging into the world of academia um i think you'll yeah. you'll find you'll find a lot of status of my status bs in that too but <laughs> but oh, the yeah. work you're going to do with students is going to change lives it already has it sounds like well I, and i and i just like to you know say that like thank you and i excited about that but me being in this body like speaking shakespeare has because i've done a bunch of school tours with and and you know teaching workshops and um teaching artist stuff around i think that's that's important too just to know that like somebody like me that looks like me can also sh speak shakespeare and has ownership over these words especially mm -hmm. for the kids that i have uh because because i didn't like shakespeare for a very long time i thought it was just like no offense, but just a bunch of white people running around in pumpkin pants, poking each other with sticks in the in the forest. You know, I just like pumpkin. What does that have to do with me? I'm from Oakland, fool. You know what I mean? I think Steve's watched that video. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Thanks, Joel. Yep. Sorry. Make sure what that I, means we'll unpack. I that just later. took that. I mean, we were at a, such a high bar. I had to bring it down. <laughs> cool. You were talking but, about. Uh, well, speaking of segue, non-segue, BIPOC. Yeah, yeah. Like what, what is it? Yeah. You're doing some really cool advocacy work in the mm -hmm. world of theater. Please enlighten us. Well, a lot of that started when I was at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival because, you know, that was the most diverse group of uh, people that I s had seen doing Shakespeare. And they had um, this Edie and I, you know, work group workshop where they were talking about um, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And me being a multi, you know, multi-racial person, like that's that stuff is very important to me and um, very close to my heart in terms of, you know, seeing people like me succeed, and being a bridge for that. Uh, and so, and some other people from from uh, OSF um, felt the same way. And you know, after we've all left, uh, you know, we're all doing our own things, and then. Uh, uh, this person by the name of Namuna Sise, uh, she has started an organization. Um, she started off by just coaching people, coaching people for uh, grad school auditions and stuff and um, giving them advice on like scenes to pick and all that other kind of thing. And then, but she was seeing a lot of um, BIPOC actors, uh, black indigenous people of color, um, you know, coming in with material that doesn't really speak to them but they feel it's something that they should be doing to get into these grad schools mm. so she's so she's like no we need to do something that that's you know that that you can relate to that that you don't have to like reach for you're not that you're not trying to get in somebody else's you know jumpsuit to like be what they want you what you think they want you to be they mm -hmm. want you to be you so mm -hmm. if you can bring the most authentic self to these auditions including the material that you choose then that'll that can only help you right mm -hmm. um because we're always trying to put our our full selves forward if, if we're in that situation yeah and so through the course of the pandemic she was getting a lot more of those um opportunities and she just started thinking like we need to you know is there a strictly like i haven't she didn't really have a person of color as an acting teacher throughout her entire course mm. of study mm. you know uh, we had Fran, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, who was who was brilliant at, at Cal Arts, and and I had people at at you know my junior college. But like I know you know when you get to those hoity toity upper echelon institutions, there's not a lot of like you know teachers of color that are yeah. speaking that are speaking to me. 
and know and know not to say certain things to me mm-hmm. <laughs> and know not to cast me in certain ways that I don't need to be playing all the Latin roles that I don't need to only be playing the black roles that mm. I can play Romeo too. You know, mm. I don't need to just be Othello, even though I love Othello for other reasons, <laughs> but, but you know, there's, there's a plethora of other characters that I, that I need to be playing. I need to be playing the Scottish King. I need to be playing, you know, Polonius or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so she got together a, a group of artists and um, they're starting this organization called blueprint, which is basically a training program run and um, administered by BIPOC um, artists for BIPOC students. Mm. So they get, so they get, you know, a person of color doing the acting program, uh, the voice program, the, the movement program and all, and all that that means. So we would be taking African dance and, and from somebody who's authentically African or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and all those other kind of things. And we would be mining for playwrights that, that speak to the BIPOC experience mm-hmm. because there are, you know, there's Lorca and stuff like that. So there's, there's tons of, um, there's tons of material there. It just, it's not commonly mined. Right. So we're trying to mine that stuff so that we have just as much um, urgency technique, but also based in a sense of authenticity, mm-hmm. you know, uh, most of my young acting career and and stuff, I was you know learning Neil Simon and stuff like that, which is great. He's hilarious. Right. I love right. him. You know, I don't, I can't really speak to that experience, his life experience, or Tennessee right. Williams. You know, right. they're great writers and stuff, but I'm not, I'm not that. And the characters that he writes about that do fit me are very marginalized. Yeah. And so, so having a writer who speaks to me but also centers me in the story yeah uh empowers me uh, gives me a sense of you know true self um not just in the work because you know we have to live in these characters you know when you're at osf you do a show we do two shows for like you know 10 months and depending on what show you're in you know that can affect you if you're yeah. you know if you're if you're playing a maid all season how are you going to feel mm-hmm. about yourself at the end of the mm-hmm. season? Mm-hmm. So, I, so there's, I, there's things as, to... an, as a Go theater ahead. educator, I find that really fascinating, especially as a white male theater educator in the Midwest, mm-hmm. that there are, yeah, that there are resources and, and work being done because I, I will admit my own, my own ignorance. I mean, before, when you mentioned Shakespeare, I was, I was equating him to Ibsen, you know, mm-hmm. and I said, so I said, <laughs> Henrik Ibsen, Anton Chekhov, like all of these white yeah. male these are the pillars of the theater or whatever but and l- like you said i really thought that was really profound there's a lot of there's a lot of work like that but it's not mined and it's not it's not spotlighted it's not celebrated and it's not seen and heard mm-hmm. um and that's 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 work that we all should be doing so yeah yeah mm. i mean and I, I do it in small ways too i also i have a day job i I stock toys for Mattel and stuff like that or whatever. And, and, and that includes Barbie and Hot Wheels and stuff. And they have a lot of Barbies that are like, you know, of different backgrounds and different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure when I when I stock this, when I stock the shelves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm making sure that who, you know, we get equal yes. um, exposure on the pegs and stuff that we're not behind anybody or anything like that. Like, yeah. you know, that that we have equal representation as we're out there just in the toy aisle. You know, yeah. that, that's something small that I can do 
you know, yeah. even in this like, you know, part-time job or whatever, but that's, that, that's important to me. Mm. It's real. That's cool. I love you, Armando. Uh, we're love getting you, close to the, uh, to the, uh, to a little bit over the hour mark, but I have to ask you, what is, uh, what is tooting your hooter lately? What are you listening to? <laughs> I, hopefully you have a list ready. What are you listening to? Oh man. Or what are you watching? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Give it to me. Okay. Um, I mean, I am a fan as well of Bell Helium. Ah, yes. Uh, I was the on the ground so floor good. of that. So good. She, I was, I was doing a play in New York, and Anne was playing me some, um, some just rough tracks or whatever. I'm just like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. And yeah, Anne's Anne's amazing, and she also wrote that manifesto uh, <laughs> that she put up at Cal Arts that one time. Yes, she um, did crazy manifesto that nobody knew where it came from i would oh, like yes. to read i would like to see that manifesto i yeah i will have her i'll i'll have her send it to me and i'll send it on she yeah like like mark like martin luther at the on the the 99 theses <laughs> she just pounded she printed these huge papers out and put it right outside the theater office and i don't think we ever really knew announced public now it was Anne, but it was like <laughs> we demand these things it was so great it was it was badass yeah um but something else that i was listening to recently because the olympics just happened and stuff and i don't know if you you both have ever seen the animated show or animated movie called animal olympics no oh okay check it out it's like i think it's on youtube the full thing okay but it was this you know 70s 80s cartoon where all these animals were doing the olympics and stuff and it had this like killer soundtrack man (laughs) it's it's a a mixture of like you know folky stuff and some disco and some like up-tempo stuff it was it just it just brought me back to like you know summers hanging out with my uh my brother we would always watch animal olympics and stuff so having that come up yeah please check it out let me know what you think okay i'm i'm a nerd like that um and then also i just started doing this uh voiceover stuff Ooh. So I have this brand new mic and, you know, I get to bring out the deep tones and everything <laughs> like that. Give us some, give us some quiet storm, please. Oh, we used to have this um, <laughs> radio station in the Bay Area, 97, 98.7. Soft and warm, the quiet storm, KBLX. Oh, still gives me chills. That was great. So I get like, to. We should, we should hire you to do the. Uh, the trying to be better with Joel and Steve. Oh, <laughs> welcome to the trying to better. Welcome. To we'll get, the let's get a clean. Let's podcast. get a clean take. All right. All right. <laughs> all right you ready? Clean take. Okay. Okay. Welcome to the trying to be better podcast with Joel and Steve. Oh, what else do I say? That was great. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Armando. TTBB at gmail.com. Ooh, oh, man. So, so all right, send us delicious. a contract. <laughs> so uh, uh, any voiceover stuff you want me to do I, I'll, I'll be happy to provide we might actually take you up on that yeah. that'd be fun we need I, we should probably up our game a little bit listener mail <laughs> armando it's been an absolute delight uh chatting with you he was like he was I'm like he sure was like he was like a voiceover it. gig he was like ready for more takes right there <laughs> Now this has been this has just been a great, uh, really great. I did not honestly expect to talk about Shakespeare as much as we did, but I'm glad we did. And yeah, yeah. yeah thanks for real, asking. Just it's been really great. Um, what I hear is a tale of uh, commitment and perseverance. Yeah, and uh, my uh, hat is off to you. Yeah, yeah. man. 
Love you, Armando. Keep doing the good work, man. It's awesome. Thanks. And thanks for doing what you guys do. You know, uh, these podcasts have been like a bastion for me and just Mm. like hearing more and more and learning and staying curious about like, you know, the world that we're living in and and the people that I don't know yet and and Mm, like are fascinated by. You have some fascinating guests. So thank you for having me on. Of course. Love you, dude. That will not forsake me till my tale is told and done. While the firelights are glow, strange shadows from the flames will grow as things we never see will seem familiar.
Okay. 